So Money Episode 58, Mark and Lauren Grootman. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey everyone, welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Hope you're having an excellent day. I'm excited to welcome our first couple, married couple, to the show, the amazing Mark and Lauren Grootman. They're the co-founders of a personal finance website entitled markandlaureng.com. Having gone through financial hardships, they're now on a mission to spread the word about money and financial health, the things they wish they had known many years ago. I love their story, their tenacity and determination, so inspirational. I actually watched them on Nightline the other night on ABC Nightline. Their journey as a married couple begins in their 20s when, like many of us, they developed a dream of what their ideal life would be and they pursued it with full force. They went on wild shopping sprees, acquired designer clothes, luxury cars. They purchased a 3,200 square foot home, custom built home, built with all new furnishings. Uh, And that's not all. They hired a nanny and a personal assistant. And even though they both worked full time and, and were successful in their careers, their spending outpaced their income and drove them into debt. You know, it's not uncommon for me to hear from people writing in saying, I make six figures, and I'm drowning in debt, and I'm overspending, and I don't have enough to save. The result for Lauren and Mark was a mortgage that fell underwater, a car that got towed away, $40,000 in credit card debt, and a $1,000 a month deficit in the family budget. Fortunately, they found ways to quickly dig themselves out of that hole and readjust their definition of the American dream along the way, and that is where we begin our conversation. Now, in terms of takeaways from this interview, there are so many of them, but honoring the tradition, here are my favorite three. One, the financial philosophy and the new definition of the American dream, according to Mark and Lauren, how they nurse themselves back to financial health, and three, why it's important to enjoy money. Here is Mark and Lauren Brutman. Welcome to the show, Mark and Laura Grootman. It's so great to have you. You're actually my first couple. Oh, good. <laughs> on the show. Happy to be on together. And you both sound great. And are you from? Uh, are you calling in from your home? Yep. yep. We have a home office. Let's talk about that because I sort of think you're living the 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 lifestyle career dream that a lot of couples probably admire and want, um, which is that you are in business together. Uh, and you work from home. And Mark, I understand you just quit your job in 2014 as an actuary, which I last I checked, they pay pretty well um, mm-hmm. to 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 work on your on your business together. So let's talk about that business. Talk about Mark and Lauren Well, so it all started out of um, you know a need that we had about eight years ago. We were in forty thousand dollars worth of debt underwater in our mortgage and running a deficit of about $1,000 a month. And uh, so the business of Mark and Lauren G was born of, after we got out of debt, really wanting to help people kind of get out of debt the same way that we did and, and offer a new perspective on that we didn't, we wanted to teach people how to kind of 
get financial independence and live a simpler, happier life and not be chasing after the Joneses all the time. Right. And it was getting out of debt and becoming more financial free that did allow me to quit my job as an actuary, which it, it was a good job, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I and I, I liked that job. But we wanted something more. Yeah. And we got to a point in our lives where we had four kids and things were just crazy. And we decided to take the jump yep. and do this. Yeah. See, I, I've been um, blogging over at IamThatLady.com for four and a half years. And that income was the one that, you know, has was able to um, to help us with him quitting his job. So, you know, we definitely planned and prepared ahead of time for a while. But uh, it's been a dream that we can really be together every day and raise our family together and really help people every single day get on a better financial path. Right. How do you differentiate from all the other advice out there? You know, I actually, we met at the Financial Bloggers Conference, um, a wonderful community of of bloggers and people who are, um, who, who help millions of Americans every day, including themselves, you know, live uh, their best financial lives. But at the end of the day, I feel like it comes to who you connect best with. So why do you think people like coming to you guys, particularly for this sort of advice that can, they can kind of get, you know, from a variety of different sources? Well, I just, I know that we really connect with a lot of couples in particular who have been in a situation very similar to us. Um, and yeah, we've met, there's definitely a ton of just awesome advice out there. Uh, but we've definitely found a, a niche audience that really just likes how we communicate with each other, uh, how we talk about money and how we get through things together as a couple. And I kind of feel like that is missing a bit from the financial advice space. Mm-hmm. And you know, we there's there's so many financial articles out there of, you know, the top seven things to do this and, and how to get out of debt and you know, we the approach that we took was, okay, we can tell you all of those things, but we want to show you. So we're very, very transparent with the money that we spend. We do, we actually are so crazy that we personally, we record us doing our own budget on a live Google Hangout every month. And um, people come and watch us and budget with us. I think that people are really looking for somebody to come next to them, put their arm around them and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We've done it. This is what we're going to do and kind of guide them. And, through the we're, path. and we're still doing it. I mean, we're not millionaires by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. So we're, we're still living this yep. with people. Yeah. And I think that's really important is really transparency and relatability. You know, we're not, we're not uh, financial experts. As, as far as schooling goes, we haven't been to school. You know, Mark's an actuary, which is a financial profession, but we're not CPAs and we're not tax accountants. Uh, we've just been through it and we know what worked for us and what didn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're taking your um, your business and, and your advice to multi-levels and now you have a podcast and um, how's that going? Yeah, we love it. It's going really well. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, and um, we really enjoy it. Honestly, that's probably the one thing we enjoy most. It's probably our favorite part of the job. It is, but I'm not going to lie and say, I mean, there's been a few times where we've had to record the same exact episode three times because we, like, forgot to plug this thing in or that <laughs> thing. <laughs> Trust um, me, oh, I've terrible. been there. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of my nightmare of, you know, pressing, okay, guys, let's start, and then, like, 30 minutes later, you realize you ha- are not recording, so... That yep. has happened to me, not on this podcast, but 
in real life on a real job where people are paying you to do it <laughs> go yep. out there and get the interview when it's your own business you can sort of slap your own wrist but when it's someone else paying you to go out there and get an interview and you forgot to press record oh yeah that's worse yeah. oh um i digress <laughs> All right, let's talk about money. I know you say you're not experts, but I think you guys know a thing or two. And I I can't wait to hear your answers to some of these questions that I ask all of my guests, starting with something that is actually a little more philosophical than, um, than number crunching. It's involving your financial philosophy. And you may share one or you might each have your own. So I so feel free to jump in if you have differing financial philosophies. but And you may have more than one. But for the purposes of this podcast, let's just focus on the one for each of you that truly, when you think about what is kind of your money mission statement, your money mantra, a saying that really helps guide your, the way that you make your financial decisions, what would it be? I think it would be to spend your money with what you truly value in life. You know, when you buy something, when you trade money to get something, you're obviously giving that thing value. So we really feel that you need to be intentional with where that money's going. And to also sit down as a couple and decide together what you're going to do instead of having things just happen. Mm -hmm. And we have this um, thing that we call a financial bucket list, which is where you sit down and you know, as a couple, you sit down and figure out where, what do you want to do with your money as you go forward in life? And that's kind of like a, you know, a financial bucket list, uh, things you want to do with money before you die. And by doing this together as a couple, you really kind of solidify your values of your, your relationship to move forward. But then it helps you figure out what uh, parts of your marriage, maybe where you might have conflicts. Because um, yeah, what Mark said, where you spend your money and where your values lie. So a lot of times when, when couples especially are arguing over money, it's because there's some value thing that's not completely lined up. So you're not really fighting about the money, but you might be fighting about the values behind the money. So for us, it's really important to to spend your money so that you know it's it's reflective of what you really value in life. How do you identify those things, though? Because I think, I think sometimes we feel like, we value a lot of things. We value it more than we can really afford. Mm -hmm. So how do you narrow it down? What's the process? But, go ahead. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> you always have something to say. I always have something to say. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that's a tough question to answer. So maybe I should have let you answer it. But I, I, for us, I can only speak to our own experience. When we actually sat down and actually spent some time with pen and paper writing down, okay, what what is important to us? Things come to you, and the things that really are important rise to the top on this whole huge list of things that you might write down. And for most people, no matter where you are in life, it's going to be things like you know family. It's going to be things like you know being able to retire, the things that are really important to your life that aren't really even financial are the things that rise to the top. And then you want to go in and have money back those things up and support those values. Right, and I think you know, typically what we would advise people to do is write <clears throat> write down maybe a list of 20 and take the, you know, maybe the top five or 10 of those values. And uh, those are going to be your focus. And then forget about the rest until you feel like you have the other ones under control. And now we want to talk about money memories. And I feel like this is going to take us back to your, your debt story mm -hmm. um, 
or maybe something else, but I'm, I'm actually curious to hear about, you know, how you got into debt and how you, when you had your sort of aha moment to be like, okay, this can't continue because um, mm-hmm. we, you know, have bills and responsibilities and dreams and goals as a matter of fact. So let's talk money memories. Take us back. What's your earliest money memory and how has it shaped your mindset about money today? And it could be a good or a bad lesson. I, I think this is a great question because I think this will set to the stage to so you can see how we did get into trouble. Right. So I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay, so my first money memory, I remember I was probably like 11 years old and I walked in on my mom. She she always had this um like legal notebook that she would write down the expenses, you know, pen and paper. So I walked in on her and she was sitting, you know, with an envelope full of bill of receipts and then she had her notebook and she was writing stuff down and she looked really stressed out. So I asked her what was wrong, and she's like, do you think money grows on trees? <laughs> you know, and she showed me the whole bill, and she showed me everything, like, this is where I'm spending money. And I, I walked out of there feeling like, whoa, what the heck just happened? But then the very next day, we went shopping at the mall using a credit card. So to me, I was really confused about what happened. Like, she was so stressed the day before, and now we're on using credit cards and acting like everything's fine. So that's my earliest money memory. Mark's going to share his, and then you can kind of see – we can kind of go into how we got started getting out of debt from there. Right. So my first money memory was a bit more positive. My my parents were always very good about teaching us about money. And we did have a small allowance, but I think at age 10, I was I was forced to get a paper route. And that's how I made my money. And not only was I forced to get a paper route, my parents made me save half of my half of the money I got. So I I mean, I didn't. I was like, "Well, what am I saving for?" <laughs> but they just said that that's that's what you got to do. So, so that was my earliest memory. So, as you can see from us, the differences that we were raised in. So, I was raised in like a credit card, never taught how to handle money, and he was taught very well how to handle money. When we got married, there was a huge issue with finances that we had never talked about. But we saw it right away. We did. So, our first argument when we were married was in the grocery store over a bag of Doritos because... Well, I, mean, I was used to grocery shopping and like, okay, so we're just going to get the things that we need and then we're going to get out of here. And Just we, like a man. Yeah, right. exactly. When she went to the store and she's like, no, we, we got to go down every aisle. And I'm like, what, what? we don't need anything down this aisle. And then we got to the, the snack aisle and she picked up a $5 bag of Doritos. And I'm like, we're not buying that. And she says, yes, we are. I want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... That was like the first inclination of, oh, we've got a problem here because I was so apt to buy, 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 not think about it, just get what I want when I want. You know, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do kind of mentality. And then, you know, from that Dorito incident, fast forward four years and we're in $40,000 worth of debt. Credit card debt. Credit cards. Wow. Yeah. And a, and a, and a car a payment car or two. Um, and so there was this huge disconnect and, and, and it was really really difficult. So, you know, those those early memories of how we remembered finances really played a huge role in our marriage starting out as well. Yeah, I wish we could have sat down and talked about money before we got into mm-hmm. trouble. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Were there uh, clues before you got married? Because I, I sometimes find that, well, we both know, we all know couples don't talk about money um, before they get married. And even when they're married, it's, it's a challenging subject. But I've always sensed that there must have been some clues. Like you guys must have gone out together, gone on a vacation together, saw how you each spent. And maybe you had some like 
maybe it, there weren't concerns, but you're like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Mark's really, well, <laughs> you know, Mark really doesn't like to, to splurge and I'm, you know, and she likes really fancy things. So, no, mm -hmm. just wonder well, if, yeah. I, I should have realized it maybe when Mark and I went out on our first date and he didn't bring any money with him. <laughs> Mark! Bring that up. But, was that, but we was that married, intentional, we Mark? We got married pretty young, though. That's the thing. And we got married, actually, while we were still in, in college. college. Oh. Yep. So what would you say is a financial fail? Obviously, we've talked about, you know, getting yourselves into $40,000 worth of debt. That was a you know, in some ways you could call that a fail, but you're working your way out of that. What's another example of a financial fail? And this could be something personal, maybe you both experienced separately, but um, a fail that uh, you really learned a tremendous amount from. And then what's the craziest thing you've ever bought? Okay. Well, when financial, we both looked at each other and knew exactly how to answer this question. Exactly. It was this brand new house we bought in October 2006, which is probably the worst time ever oh, to buy a new home. And we just, we bought it on a whim. We put some money down to have it built. And well, this is what really happened. Well, well the $40,000, I mean, <laughs> that we were in debt, they didn't even count the amount that we were underwater in our, in mortgage. our mortgage. Yeah. So we um, actually went to go visit his brothers in uh, North Carolina. Yeah. And while we were there visiting, we bought a house. Yeah, that's right. That's how yeah. it happened. Yeah. Wow. So they're like, uh, no money down, no interest. No, yeah. <laughs> no money down. We just thought, yeah, you know what? Yeah. We this... had no plan on moving when we went there. I mean, we had talked about it. Right. But so we got so wrapped up in it that we put a, you know, we it bought wasn't, a house. It wasn't a down payment. It was no, just like we just the, met with the banker, signed a piece of paper, and then they gave yeah. you a house. Yeah. We bought a house. And then I, I was think like, we gave oh her my a check gosh. for like 500 bucks or something. We bought a house. Like, and yeah. it's, you know, we live in New York. We're back in New York now, but so we had to move our family. So yes, so we the house is finished in October two thousand and six, and we were all excited about it then. And it was, I think it was, it was like December of that year, like yeah. two months later that we were like, oh my gosh, what did we do? What did we do? Mm -hmm. So and to reward ourselves, and this is the craziest thing. Yeah, I here's think, the craziest thing. <laughs> to reward ourselves for feeling so bad about our home purchase, we went out and bought twenty five hundred dollars worth of brand new furniture to fill that house mm -hmm. and then and it was we, it was because we had all this empty space we did and it we didn't want the empty financed space. financed hundred percent so we didn't pay any cash for it and then when we ended up moving out of that house and moving back up to new york we sold that furniture on craigslist for, for 500 bucks yeah yeah so furniture is the worst thing to resell it oh is it is and so that house you know we well, we had to sell it because we didn't have room for it anymore. We had, yeah, we, we had to sell. Live. We moved yeah. to get out of debt, so we're now debt free. But to get out of debt, we moved from that thirty-two hundred square foot custom house that we had that we couldn't afford. We sold that house and moved back to New York. We were able it was a short sale. We had actually. to sell it via short sale and moved back to New York, and we rented an eight hundred square foot apartment so that we could get out of debt. This is before or after you had four children. This is this. We had two children at that time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this was at two. So it was still crazy. It but... was still crazy, and uh, we're not in that eight hundreds. We were able to buy another home, but we bought way below, I guess, what we could afford, um, so that we could continue to live with financial independence, I guess. Um, but now we have the other four kids, and we aren't cramped into an 800 square foot apartment thank god but it's, but it's not 3200 square feet no no it's still tight but yeah 
What's amazing is that through all of this, I hear laughter, I can sense you're smiling. I mean, tell me what's the secret in your sauce? I think there are people who have experienced exactly what you've experienced. I mean, the, the, the housing bubble bursting was not a, a you know, a, a singular event. It mm-hmm. happened for many, many, many millions of Americans. How did you get yourselves through it with such um, levity? Well, I think um, we have a really strong faith that's that's important to us. Uh, but we also, being together was probably the number one thing. And learning how to talk about the hard things early on was really the key to us being able to get through this. I'm not going to lie. There were many tears and fights and arguments. Um, but because we were so you know, determined to get through this together, we really both had to leave the past behind us, all of the debt, all of the spending, all of the money mistakes that we made. And, you know, I honestly, you know, I was the one that that made a lot of the debt, you know, behind Mark's back. And that was um, a really difficult thing for me to admit to. But he forgave me and we moved forward in that and we never looked back. There was no blaming. There was no, you know, we're in debt because of you or we're in debt because of you. There was none of that. He was, he was really great at forgiving me, but I had to admit like I have a problem with spending money and not telling you about it. And that was, that was huge for us to work through it together. Well, I actually just wrote an article about this. Um, I think it was last week or the week Mm -hmm. before. Um, you know, there's that often cited statistic that, you know, financial disagreements is the number one cause for divorce. And, you know, that, that definitely is true. Um, but I feel like for us, we used it as a source of, of strength mm-hmm. because our financial disagreements, in all financial disagreements, really aren't financial. There's always going to be deep, deeper rooted issues that need to be worked out. And we allowed hitting rock bottom to really work through a lot of those things and come out stronger because of it. But yes, it wasn't all laughter and smiles when mm-hmm. we were in the in the thick of it. No, it definitely there were a lot of times of fear and um and disagreement, but definitely remaining true to to each other and and you know, never letting anything split us apart as far as disagreements and, and communication. We've always communicated. Well not always, but since we decided that we were gonna stop changing our spending habits, you know, six years ago and really get out of debt um, at a rapid speed, you know, we were together. We, we decided it together. Well, it sounds like you were very brave because, like Mark, you just said, you know, you were willing to go to the deep, dark place of mm-hmm. finding out what was at the root of your differences. And so I actually just had like an epiphany here because I think, yeah, I think couples obviously come many times with the financial differences. That's not the real issue because that's very common and, and that's to be expected and um, that's easy to, to, to see. You know, well, I like to spend, you right. like to save. But what's more maybe scary and a little more um, demanding is to really trace the root of that and right. to, to face that because sometimes we haven't faced it even privately and to do it with somebody else. Hopefully it's someone you love and it's your partner and you, you trust this person and you're willing to go there together. That, I think, can sometimes unleash solutions and can really be an enlightening moment. It sounds like you've both had that. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about um, 
so money moments. So we've dwelled a little bit on the on the negative, although it sounds like you are doing fantastic now and you're working your way through things. But what would you identify as what I like to call a so money moment? In other words, a time in your life when you had a financial win. I think for us, it would. We've agreed on this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely going to be when we realized that we had the financial freedom for me to to quit my job. So it's it's kind of funny that our so money moment would be actually decreasing our decreasing money. our <laughs> income. You know, rather significantly. But you know, it's about it's about life and being able to have that financial independence to be able to make a move like that for the sake of our family. Uh, I think that was that was definitely our our highlight so far. Yeah, and I'm going to add one more so many moment too is I remember the uh, first purchase that we made after we got out of debt was in 2011 and we bought a swing set oh. for our kids with cash. And it was a nice swing set. I think it cost us about $900. And it was something that we always wanted, but we weren't willing to pay for because we were in so much debt. And so as soon as we paid off our last piece of debt, we saved up the money and we bought a swing set for our kids. And at that point, we had just had our third child. And it was so it was so awesome to just feel like we had worked really hard to get out of debt and had so many years of living without and not going on vacation and not buying things that now we had the freedom to make a big purchase like that and make it in cash. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I know I, sometimes my cash purchases are my favorite because it's done. Mm-hmm. Right. No more bills and um, you can now just just purely start to enjoy the purchase and there's no ever there's no aftermath. Right. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I could say that becoming debt free was definitely a moment for us, but following that moment was purchasing that swing set, which well, is more important to me, I think. I'd love to talk a little bit about being parents and your four children. What, I, I know that you had only two when you were going through these struggles and now you have four and things are, are a little bit better, a lot better. What, um, what kind of messages do you think you're, you're sending to them? And have you maybe been, have you ever concerned yourself with, well, maybe they, they've learned bad things in the beginning and now they're learning, you know, that there's a way to get your, pull yourself through things or, um, were they too young to even understand? Well, we're actually pretty honest with them. I mean, our, our kids' ages are, um, we have a son who's nine, and then the, our three girls are five, three, and, and one. So the younger girls don't really, they're not really there yet, and they certainly don't remember what it was like when we didn't, you know, when we were in a lot of debt. But our nine-year-old kind of does, and we're actually very honest with him that we were in a ton of debt a few years ago and we've gotten ourselves out so he he understands that you know we don't really use credit cards and um he yeah he, i think i feel like we're very honest with him about we it. are and you know he saw early on that you know when he was five i when we were really getting out of debt still i had a garage sale to get money to buy him a toy for his birthday uh so he's seen those kind of sacrifices that we've made and and they're also very um we always tell them like it's not in the budget or we can't do that this week. You know, maybe we can do it next week or we have to budget for that. So they're very aware of the fact that mommy and daddy really pay attention to their money. But then on top of that is, you know, we're really showing them we're not buy we don't we're not buyers anymore. We don't buy stuff. Right. You know, um, we don't go on luxurious vacations. If we go on vacation, we like rent a beach house and just stay at the beach all week. Um, we 
you know, we don't, we just don't do a ton of stuff. We, we're very simple now and really want to focus on the simplicity of life. So they're very in tuned with that. But then also our son, so he's nine and, you know, he has chores. He has to take out the garbage and he has to clean the kitchen three days a week and load the dishwasher. He has to work for his money. And if he wants to do something and he wants money, let's say for a toy, you know, or something like that. It's Legos always. Yeah, he has, he has to save money for it. We, I'll give him an extra project to do. Okay, mop my kitchen floor and I'll give you another few bucks or something like that. Um, so if he wants extra money, he has to work for it. And we're in, we hope to be instilling that in our in our children that money really doesn't go on grow on trees. Like and I have to do that because I mean Andrew, who's who's nine, we can already tell he's he's a spender. He's a spender. Yeah. Yes. Oh really? Yeah, he well, is. Big Legos time. are awesome. So yeah, oh, they are. <laughs> That's what we went out on Black Friday and took him out to the store, and he. This is funny. This is he hilarious. looked around, and he we were hoping to find one on sale, and he looks around. He's like, Mom, this. What did he say? He said Black Friday is a ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he couldn't find one on sale. I said, honey, they're Legos. Like, the ones that you want aren't on sale. But he saved his money till Black Friday to buy. I mean, he'll save his money to buy the thing that he wants. So, Well, then there you go. Yep. Then then let him eat cake. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're so money ritual, guys. What is something that you do um, that is either daily, weekly, but it is a habit that helps to get give you guys the, the, the compass that you need to, to follow through on your financial goals. I'd say that our ritual would have to be hosting our monthly budget night at the last on the last Sunday of every month. Um, I mean, we've been doing our, our budgets monthly together. For, for years. For, for a long time anyways, but I think now that we're sharing it publicly, it really has become a ritual and it holds us accountable to our audience who's watching us uh-huh. so yeah people can see where we plan to spend our money and we have to follow through and do it yeah and so I think budgeting as a couple so our ritual is Mark takes care of all the bills so he figures out everything like we we have this drag and drop budget software that we had built so we he puts all of the numbers and the bills into that so that when we sit down to do our budget, it's pretty much him like figuring out all the bills and then he asks me questions like, how much do you need for groceries this week? What kind of birthday parties do we have to go to? What kind of gifts do we have? How much do we need for diapers? You know, those questions that he doesn't know, I fill in the blanks. So I, you know, I hate spreadsheets, like hate them and he loves them. And so he loves to deal with all that kind of stuff. And then I do all the fun, like, spending stuff <laughs> uh, within budget. But so yeah. that's our ritual of how we've always done our personal budget. And it, it really helps us keep out accountable. And then we take out cash for some categories, uh, like groceries. We do cash. We have a miscellaneous um, cash that we do every week so that we don't have to, like, nickel and dime each other the whole time, the whole week. So we take out, like, $50 a week in miscellaneous money. And then uh, diapers and babysitting. Those are the things we take on cash. I have a quick question. How do you guys splurge on yourselves? And do you always have to check in with each other? Or do you have uh, an allowance to be able to, you know, I hate the word allowance, but, you know, some sort of um, account where you, it's personal and you can do whatever you want with it? We've actually been talking about that. Mm-hmm. We have we, we've been planning on giving each other fifty bucks a month to just spend on whatever, whatever. 
Yeah. Um, We're not there yet. We haven't done it yet. Yeah. But we, we do have that $50 miscellaneous. So, like, if that, that uh, that's per week. And that's, you know, just cash that we leave by our, I won't tell you where we leave it, just in case somebody's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have your address on the website, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but we leave it in, a, in an envelope. And so whenever, you know, if he decides he wants to go out to lunch with a friend or whatever, he can just grab that and go and spend it. So that's kind of an allowance, but we would love to be able to give each other like $50 a month where we can just buy whatever we want we, with it. Yeah, we do both have hobbies. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you get there and let us know when you do. Yeah, I, think I will. <laughs> okay, so this is the fun, I think the most fun part of the interview. Hopefully you will find it too. It's called So Money Fill in the Blank. Okay. And I'll just throw out a, a sentence and you'll finish it for me. So yeah. if I won the lottery tomorrow, say 100 million bucks, I would... It's a good question. Fill in the I blank. I think we would... First thing. First thing you'd do. Pay off, I would... pay off everybody's houses that we know. Really? Oh, that that's a lot of people. No, not, not that we know. Our Can family... you pay off mine? I'll send you my mortgage bill. <laughs> <laughs> we would pay off everybody in our family's mortgages yeah. and car payments. That's, wow. That's what I would do. What would you do? That's towards the top of the list. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. be careful they don't come back asking for more. I know, right? That's the problem when you help people out sometimes. You know, you enable that you become an enabler. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, still, I literally I had one. Do it. I had one person say I wouldn't tell anybody that I won <laughs> the money. And maybe he would send like anonymous checks in the mail to people, but. Oh, maybe that's a better idea. Maybe. But anonymously pay off. Anonymously. People. Yeah. Don't, don't let anyone know. <laughs> All right. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is a smartphone. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I tried to have a, a dumb phone for for a while, <laughs> like but a flip just, phone, like like one of those fifty dollar. Yeah. Okay. And it, it just didn't work. I mean, you have to. <laughs> it makes life so much easier. I feel like you need <laughs> to have an iPhone or an Android or whatever. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that, uh, admittedly out loud. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I, and for anyone out there who's still not carrying a smartphone, and it doesn't have to be an iPhone, but you know, something that gets text, you can take pictures, you know, you're, you can do a few more things on it, check your email, get it, it's worth it, it's 2015. It. <laughs> and like data plans aren't even that much now, it's... We're really bad at just expensive. doing fill in the blanks. Yeah, we just keep <laughs> No, you're great. No, you're really good. You're really good. It's awesome. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot on, and I know you're both budget uh, budgeters, but there's got to be something that you're like, um. Oh, makeup. I mm. love makeup. I buy lots of makeup. For me, it would be uh, drums. I, I play drums. and oh, right. Once in a while, there might be a little mm. expense here that. And he has an obsessive. Purchasing of iPhone cases on Amazon. <laughs> wow, you're really like going full force with that smartphone. Every once in a while, I'll be like, Mark, I haven't bought what's one this, in a long what's time. this package from Amazon? It's like, oh, it's the third cell phone cover a month. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe there's, maybe there's a business idea there. Maybe there's like a, a cell phone of the month. Oh, maybe we should. That's a great idea. <laughs> cell phone cover. Yeah, so just send me 10% commission. Okay. That's all I ask. Okay. Hey, listen, we were supposed to share our guilt. You weren't supposed to. Oh, throw me under the bus. Sorry. There, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have more couples now on the on this podcast. I think that it's a lot more fun that way. Yeah. <laughs> um. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is that you should work for it. I never worked for money ever. 
until I got married. What about you? Um, I don't know. That money is fun to spend. I feel like right? I, I feel like <laughs> I knew about money when I was growing up. So yeah, he was. We you know what? Well, we, excuse me. I know, right? <laughs> we have. <laughs> We have a professional money. Did, did Mark just drop the mic and he's out? He's like, yeah, he's out, right? I know everything. My Mark, parents Mark did out. a great job. <laughs> I, on the well, other hand, yeah. did not do a great job. It is possible. That's that's kind of the, the lesson here is that as, as parents, it is possible to raise your kids in a financially savvy way. You know, it doesn't all have to come crashing and burning when they're 23. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, even like they didn't they didn't let me take out school loans. They um, yeah. actually, no, they, they let me. But I chose not to because I knew it was dumb. So I graduated with three thousand dollars in school loans, and that was it. Right. Wow. What? That's pretty awesome. These days, that's yeah. like your books for the first semester. Exactly. Which is why I was in a lot of school loan debt because I just bought books. <laughs> nothing else. Nothing, nothing else. else. <laughs> when I donate money, I like to give to blank because my church and my children's school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we send our kids to a private. Christian school here, so we believe uh, we're very active with them, and we like to give money to them to see them flourish. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm so money, or we're so money, because... We're willing to be weird and uncomfortable in order to have a life full of financial independence, definitely. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. So a lot of our friends thought, think we're crazy that we work from our office and Mark quit his job. Uh, but we're willing to be thought of that way. And you're transparent, and I love that. And I want everyone listening to check you both out. What, where are the best ways to to find how you're being weird and crazy? <laughs> well, markandlaurengee.com is our website, and uh, that's where you can find our budget night that we do every month. And you can actually sign up for an alert for that. Uh, you can also check out our podcast, which is the Simpler Happier Life podcast where we are, are equally as transparent. Actually, one, one podcast, we uh, actually recorded a fight that we had about money. So we thought we would do that for people. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were going to argue about it, but then Lauren was like, no, just just stop. Let's save it for the podcast. Let's we grab went and grabbed the mics and uh, argued on, on air. So that was probably our most downloaded podcast today. <laughs> um, and then we're on Twitter at Mark and Lauren G., and then we're also on Facebook, Mark and Lauren G on Facebook. We'll have all those on our site in case you miss them and you don't have a pen and paper while listening to your iPod or your, oh, wait, did I just date myself? An yes, iPhone <laughs> or your smartphone. Thank you so much, Lauren and Mark. We, uh, we really appreciate all your candid and honest advice and we look forward to, to watching you flourish. Thank you so much. Thanks it was for fun. That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Mark and Lauren, please check out their website, markandlaurengee.com. You can also follow them together on Twitter, one account, Mark and Lauren G. Also, check out their Simpler, Happier Life podcast and Lauren's own website, iamthatlady.com, which is a couponing service with wonderful tips on how to save on your groceries. And we've got all this information at somoneypodcast.com. And of course, there you can get the transcript from this interview as well as the comments. And as always, please, I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money, work, life, uh, perhaps some of the guests that we've had on the show. 
there's a very good chance that I will respond this weekend or the following weekend. You can also tweet me at Farnoosh and use the hashtag so money. Now, if you love what you're hearing and you want the podcast to continue, please spend a minute or two and leave a review on iTunes. It is the single most impactful way to support the podcast to, as I say, avoid it from falling into obscurity as iTunes is a very crowded place. Good reviews get you good placement in the store and more organic growth. And I want to thank you in advance if this is something that you would like to do for me. And please let me know when you do leave a review because as I said, every week I choose one reviewer to receive a free 15-minute money session with me over Skype. So just email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Let me know when you've left a review and I will consider you for a one-on-one. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Hope your day is so money.